hey, sometimes you hope that your fingerprints are not kind of messed up, you know, paws that you place on everything. But thank you, Connie. Um, isn't it delightful to be together? to experience worship together, to be commissioned together, to have a sense of God's presence and life together. And I trust that as we do uh, these couple of days together, that our lives will be transformed. I am so incredibly burdened by, by young people, particularly at this time, who it seems uh, climate change, COVID, a whole bunch of other things have put kind of a bit of a damper on the Gen Z crowd of the world um, to not really feel like there's any hope, there's any dream, there's any future, anything worth really living for. And I'm here to say tonight that there is something worth living for. There is a call and a purpose from heaven that needs to pulse in our hearts and our lives. Uh, I remember Many, many years ago, I wrote a letter to the then state president, F.W. de Klerk, telling him that I thought they should focus a bit more on young people. Uh, and I had a couple of suggestions in my letter. And to my surprise, I got a letter back from the state president. I still got it. And um, it connected me to a bunch of radical people around this city of Durban, uh, mostly communists and others. And we discussed liberation theology uh, in various universities and campuses and places around the city. And I think to myself, some of that stuff shapes you, doesn't it? It speaks to you even today. And uh, God has a dream and a purpose and a plan for us. And I don't want you to think too small. I don't want you to dream dreams that are too small, but I want you to dream dreams that are worthy of the King that we serve. Um, we need to be agents of change in this world. When, when, when you think about being an agent of change or a world changer, which is really what I, I want to give a couple of thoughts about, I really felt from the Lord to, to shift some thinking in you and make you think about how we're going to bring change to this world in which we live. Is it still possible for God's kingdom to transform a nation? I believe it is. And I hope you believe too. Is it still possible for this nation to be the fire, this part of the seaboard of Africa, to be the fire that sweeps up? Through? Can you remember those prophetic words, those of you that were around, like, you know, from the ark days, like me, back in the day? That word that God spoke about fire sweeping up through Africa, do we still believe? that that is ours today? Does the gospel still transform lives, change people's circumstances? I believe that it does. Is the church in this nation a footnote of history or the main player? I believe the church can be the main player. And I believe we ought to be because we've got life in us. We've got God's purpose pulsing through our lives. Do you still believe? Or has the last kind of little while knocked some of that belief out of you and you're looking at the circumstances of our nation and the struggles and the battles of our nation? I want to shift some of that in you tonight. I want you to get a dream again. I want you to, I want to release every church planter, every 
thing that God may have sown as a little seed deep in your heart, I want to pour water on it. I, I, I want to burn every ungodly dream and let the life of God just pour water on the dream that he placed in you. Some of you are sitting with prophetic words that you got when you were 16, 15, 16, 17 years old. And somehow they've kind of gone into the background of your life. It's time for the life of God's Spirit to wake those things up again and bring life to them again. It may sound a little overwhelming that we're going to be change agents in this world, in this nation of ours. But you see, it's not so much about changing all the stuff out there. It's really about God changing us. It's really about God transforming something on the inside of us. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, beautiful kind of rendition in the Message Bible. It just says it so magnificently. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the life, the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing for you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, as he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from the dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's is. Man, I, I want us to live in that space. I think sometimes all the things that the scripture says about us, it's like it's there, but we don't really believe it. It's like it's, 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 it's true of us, but we haven't really lived in it. I want you to live in it. I want you to know it experientially for yourself. The scripture is full of examples of men and women who believe those very words that I just read. In the Old Testament, Moses set my people free. Esther, I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. David, who is that big guy shouting the odds on the hill? Daniel, I will worship no other god but the God of Israel. Peter, is it right for us to listen to you or to God? Stephen, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Paul, stoned to death, rises up and goes right back into the same town and begins to preach again. <laughs> it's, it's time that we believe that all this stuff that the Scripture says about us can live in and through us. God wants to transform the world through you. And the idea is that something has to transform in us first. And I believe it is critical to start this time with a sense of belief again. Stir our hearts and our minds to believe what God has said about us. There's some critical thoughts to my journey that I really hope will help you in your journey towards changing the world. We're a force of change because 
Firstly, and I've got a few things, about five. I may not get through all of them, but here they go. We do not fear. We're, an age, we're agents of change because we live fearless lives. Now you say, hey, Peter, I'm, I'm full of fear at times. Well, I'm here to tell you that not one moment of your life can be taken away from you. Not one second. Because every second of every day belongs in his hands, not in the hands of someone with a gun. You are his. Doesn't matter where you go, doesn't matter where you go into or what context you're in. When God has called you, you do not need to live in fear. Ever. I rode up to a service delivery protest in the middle of the townships and I'm driving up to this thing and I feel the Lord say, keep driving. And I'm thinking, my car is going to get stoned now. Because it's the tires burning and sticks and branches across the street. And, and, I, and I drive up and I roll my window down and I say to the first guy, no stone has flown my way yet. And I say to the first guy, I'm a pastor and I'm here to pray with a guy on the other side of that barrier. It's like the parting of the Red Sea, friends. You know, big tires were moved, burning, and I'm meandering through the barricades. We live in an amazing nation. We do. With incredible, God-fearing, God-honoring people almost everywhere. I was sitting in the bank the other day discussing a loan. I'm, I'm, I'm busy building a house, and I think, hey, I've just got to be ready to have a loan in case I need one. I'm kind of hoping I don't. And I'm sitting sharing with this banker about the loan that I need. And, and, and I, 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 I want to share the story of God's faithfulness on our lives. So I start testifying about how God has blessed us, how he allowed us to buy a piece of land, and, and I've... I've and, and then, I, then I end up saying, listen, how are we going to get this loan thing if, if I need it? She says to me, she leans across the table, says, Pastor, she says, you're not going to need it. <laughs> I thought, yeah, <laughs> you're not going to need it, she says. She says, God's going to look after you. I said, all right then, <laughs> goodbye. You know, I, it, it's an amazing place we live in. We're the faith-filled people almost everywhere you go. We do not need to be a fearful people. You don't need to fear death. You don't need to fear disease. You don't need to fear that your life will be lost to you. You don't need to fear. The Scripture mentions do not fear 365 times. It is the number one command of the Scriptures. Mentioned more than any other command. Do not fear. One for every day of the year. And I find people all over, including Christians, who are fearing for their life, their circumstances, their money, their homes, their safety. And I'm here to say the people, the men and women that change the world, do not live in fear. We are free from fear. We do not have to fear failure. We do not have to fear our lives. We do not have to fear that, that somewhere our health is going to be lost. What's the worst thing that can happen to you? You get to go home. Death has lost its sting over us. I'm not saying I'm, I want to rush into going home. I'm not in a rush. 
But I want to tell you, not one second can be taken away from you or from I. Our lives, our days are numbered and they're in his hands. Do not live in fear. Change agents in this world. Live in the grace of God and the life of God and fear. Love has cast out all fear from us. The second thought I have for you is that we're a positive people. People that change the world are positive people. Now, <laughs> I meet a lot of people who are not that positive. And you may think that positiveness is a function of temperament. In other words, you know, you, you seem, hey Pete, you seem like a sanguine, kind of upbeat guy. Everything seems rosy to you. Yeah. That's a temperament issue. You know, I'm a little more, you know, melancholic. I get a little bit into my head a bit more. I want to say to you, as a believer, as a Christian, it fundamentally changes how you see the world. There is no space for an outlook out into your world that does not fundamentally look at things differently because you're a believer. Your position in Christ predisposes you to see the world a certain way. And people that transform the world and change the world are people that have taken on what has come in Jesus Christ and changed the way they look at the world out through their eyes. We do not look like everyone else. The struggle, the service delivery, the issues, the things, we see things differently. Why? Because we're Christians. We have Jesus. We belong to him. Our whole, we're seated in heaven with Christ. Our position is completely transformed, which means our view has changed. It's not just a matter of temperament, as many think. I learned early on in my life that if I turn the focus of my life on myself, then it's really all about wealth and the kind of life I can create for myself and how I live my life and how I make something of my life. And my whole life becomes about me. If I turn my life and my worship on the world out there, it can put all sorts of fear and struggle in me. Because the reality is what I see speaks to me and tells me, hey, there is trouble out there. Pete, look, see what's going on out there. You read the papers, you watch the news, you see things and you place the focus of your life out. Or you can place the focus of your life on Him. And it changes everything. Because worship is the core of what God calls us to do. Worship, a life, not just, worship is not just about singing songs. Worship is a life lived, focusing the beam, the focus of your life is on Him. And when you focus your life on Him, it changes the way you view the world. You're no longer looking at all the stuff of your life. You're no longer looking at all the struggles of yourself. You're saying, my life is focused on worship of Him. That's the key to everything. Driving around the city, 
wherever you may be, whether in the north or south or east or west of this province. Um, I get to move around a lot. Why don't you sing a little more? Why don't you worship a little more? See, worship is more than singing, I know, but it changes something in you. When you look with your eyes, suddenly worship walls up. You realize God has not lost control of anything. When you're looking at your circumstances in your life, you can focus the beam on Him. Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Just a little punctuation mark. Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking to Jesus. I see the world. I see my life. I see my circumstances. But I constantly look unto Jesus. And it changes the way I view the world. Positiveness is not just a function of personality. It's about where you place the beam of your life. If it's on Him, the greatness of God ought to overwhelm us every day, who he is. The third thing, I said there were five, I'm hoping to get through them, is we, the people that change the world in which we live, they see through what they see. They don't just see what they see. They see something else. They see the stuff. They have prophetic eyes that can see with their eyes. I see the reality of the struggle and the issues of people, but I see through what I see. Because God has a plan and a purpose behind what I see with my eyes. And if I don't look through the things I see, the things I see may end up dominating my life. But God wants us to be a prophetic people. A people that see with eyes of faith through the things that we see. I find leaders today have a very apocalyptic, that's a big word I know, but like a, an end of the world kind of view. You know, we, we, even, the, even sometimes our prayer meetings have a little bit of that. You know, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Better come back quickly because it's a mess. No. We, we were never meant to have a kind of an end of the world thinking in us. You see, we're not on a rescue mission that Jesus somehow is coming to rescue us out. We're on a, on, a, on a victory parade. We're enforcing the victory of heaven right here on earth. We're not on some rescue mission. We're not waiting for some moment when God can catch us out and get us out of this mess. Oh God, please help me. I need to get out of the mess. And sometimes our thinking and our prayer and our prayer meetings carry some of those themes and I think we need to change those themes. I think prayer meetings, by the way, should be more about praise than about prayer. Reminding ourselves of everything that he says he already is and what he has already done. Agree more with God than remind him of how bad the world is. What a waste of time that is. Agree with him. In Mark chapter 8 and verse 23, it says, And look, and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he'd spat on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? 
And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. And then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. It is entirely possible that we walk around seeing things that are not the perspective of heaven. And we need his touch on our eyes to see properly. So, well, Pete, I, I'm, a, I'm a realist. I am too. I'm not, I, I see stuff. But you have to look through what you see. Just see the hand of God. You have to see the, the you know, driving up to people that are doing their thing and, and stuff. You say, well, we, 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 we're in a, in, a, in a magnificent nation that, 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 that dances when they protest. <laughs> what other country in the world? You know, dance in their protest. <laughs> I, I'm no good at it. I'm not a dancer. I said, this, we, we ought to see things. We ought to rejoice in things. We ought to see through the stuff that's going on. See, God, the righteousness of God is being established in people's lives. And we're part of a journey. And we're a people that see not just what we see, because our eyes have been touched by heaven. Say, Pete, you just, you see that. You see that, you know, the load shedding and the pew, there goes the power again. You go, oh, come on. Can ESCOM not just get their act together? But that would be quite short-sighted. Why don't you let Jesus touch your eyes? Come with me into the back tide of the townships and watch a family that have not been able to boil water and make some tea ever in their life. And they can now do that in the backside of Inondo or Komashu. Because there's electricity out there. I'm thinking, that's another perspective. I, I think we need to be people that see things differently. We can't just observe stuff. We need God's touch on our eyes. Because if we want to be change agents in this world, if we want to plant churches that really shake the foundations of our society and allow God's people by their hundreds and if not thousands to turn towards the living God and find life in Him, we have to let God touch our eyes. You can't just see what you see. What do you see? The fourth thought I have for you tonight to be change agents in this world is that we have to have belief in people. It's probably the most important thing I shared tonight. Of all the things I've said, this is probably the most important because we are living in a fatherless, in a nation of, 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 of fathers that are missing. Across the length and breadth of our nation, Fathers have gone AWOL. And I'm here to say to you as a church, as leaders, men and women, who are part of leadership in local churches, welcome to God's plan, which is fathers and mothers believing again. Could you believe in people? Could you activate the purpose of God in people's lives again? 
There's this magnificent scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That word family is completely misrepresented in the original text because it's the word fatherhood from whom the Father, from whom all fatherhood receives its true name. It's probably a more accurate translation of this text. In other words, God has rights to the name. He says, it's my franchise. Now as believers, as Christians, as leaders, we get to carry that franchise into the world and look out for the prodigals and stand and scout. says, who can I speak the fatherhood and the purpose of God over again? Who can I activate? Who can we, who can we send I wish we would see our gatherings and our times together like these much more prophetically. You say, well, I'm not a prophet. I think every person in this room is a prophet. Why? Because God has spoken to you. It's time to speak to others. It's time to open up your mouth and say, I can see the call of God upon your life. I can see God has purpose and plan for you. There's a bunch of young people sitting over there. I just can't stop talking to them. Because, man, the world is going to change through men and women, just like them and you, but them too. Transform. Churches planted. Go to the ends of the earth. God is going to release stuff through young men and women, even out of this time that we have right here. Why? Because there are fathers in the room, and there are mothers in the room who says, I can see something in you. It's time that we take the franchise that belongs to God and take it into our mouths and say, I believe. I can see the purpose of God in you. I think we need to do our coffees differently. I think we need to do our meals differently. I think we need to walk amongst one another. And we need to speak faith and life because that's the idea that's inherent in God's franchise of fatherhood. That we get to be those who activate and believe in people. Imagine if there was a bunch of people in this room, however many we are, six, seven hundred, or whatever we are in this room, that imagine if we let seven hundred people loose to speak into the corners of this city and Richards Bay and the South Coast and wherever you come from. Speak potential and life over people. I sat with a bunch of business people the other day. I was speaking to them. And um, I just couldn't help myself but give them a little, a little slap. I got a little bit of Greg Garrett on me. Uh, I, I, I couldn't help myself. No, Greg's a good friend of mine. He'll, he'll receive it. And, and I stood up and I said, guys, there is so much wealth in this room. Probably most people sitting in this room probably got two or three passport options in your back pocket. And if things go really wrong, you're out of here. I said, that's a problem. Because if you don't own the idea that we have to build into young men and women and build capacity and belief and strength and become fathers and mothers that begin to build again, we will lose that battle. I don't want to lose that battle. I want to speak belief and life over the young men and women of our city. And I want you to join me because we're going to change the world.
We're going to change the world. My last point. Live today. Don't wait for tomorrow. People that change the world are not waiting for a better day, a better moment, more stuff, more gifting, or when I'm a little closer, when God's healed me up, when I'm a little more holy, you're never going to be more holy than you are right now. Because your holiness is not dependent on you, it's dependent on Jesus Christ. You're never going to have more gifts and more ability and more life and more of the Holy Spirit than you have right now. Because it's not dependent on you, it's dependent upon a sacrifice that was paid. And it says everything you will ever need for life and godliness has already been given to you. Now start living in what I declare you to be. Start being what I said you, you are. Start living in that. Start being the holiness of God because I've already declared you holy. Start living in the life of God because you've already been declared full of life. It's the power of the gospel's work in us. Absolutely transforms us. Now. We're not waiting for another day, another moment. Somehow people wait for a visitation of God, something's going to happen, revival. I, I, I'm not against the word. We sang the song, and I, I sing it as enthusiastically as all of you. But I'm not waiting for revival because I've already been revived. I'm not waiting for some moment, some magical bullet that's going to happen in some meeting somewhere, something. It's going to happen, and we're all going to go, woohoo, life, and there it comes. No, life, everything we have from God, you already have it. The more you understand how to live in that life, the more this revival that we keep talking about happens. But the more you think something's coming that you don't have, the more it's held away from you. Start living in what you have already been given by God. And watch how God transforms the way you think. Watch how He transforms your life. This is the day. Not another day. This day. Psalm 118, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is your day. One day when I've got a little bit more knowledge in me, I've studied a little harder, I've hung around some smart people, then I know God's going to call me. No, He's already called you. This is your day. This is your moment. Some of you came to this equip needing some kind of marching orders from heaven. Well, here they are. This is your day. This is your day. Are we going to transform the world? Yep. Today. Now. Because we need to live in what he's already declared us to be. We're becoming what he's already made true on the cross for every single one of us. We don't need revival because we are not dead. We're alive. You're alive. And he's already revived you. He's already transformed you. The life of God, the Spirit of God. It's not that we don't need meetings and gatherings and together where we feel the warmth of the embrace of God as we worship together. But man, that's wonderful. But I already have everything I need in Jesus Christ. I just need to live in it. 
revival, life breaks out of us when we start living in what he declares us to have already. We have it all. You see, it's not because God is limited somehow. It's actually that we are. We need the revelation. The revelation of what we have. God's never limited. He already knew what he put in you. All the gifts you need to do the call of God, all the things that you will need for your life, all the things you'll need to be successful as a business person alive, whatever it is that he's called you to do, all the things that you need have already placed in you. He knows you. He knew that already. It's just for us to understand it, for it to be revealed to us, for the revelation to drop that the eyes of our understanding, Paul says, may be opened up, that we may see. Whoa! Now I get it. That's exactly what God wants for each and every one of us. Because we are going to change the world. I hope you still believe. We need to take what we have and place it in the hands of Jesus. You see, John 6, 6 says, there's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? I'll never do. See, that's the beauty of the miracle of heaven. Is that when we take the little that we have and we place it into the hands of Jesus, the little we have becomes more than enough. Some of you are worried, I, I don't have enough, I don't understand enough, I can't preach. Well, that's a common refrain throughout the Bible from all of those people that God used. They almost all said it. So you're not alone in thinking that you don't have enough. The trick is to take everything you have and put it in his hands and say, here it is, my life. The stuff that is not enough. I put it in his hands and the stuff that is not enough becomes enough to feed the 5,000, feed the 4,000. There are two miracles in the scriptures. One is at the Decapolis with the heathens. Ten cities get together and they gather up ten baskets left over. The other is to the tribes of Israel and they gather up twelve baskets left over of bread. There is enough for every tribe. There is enough for every city if you will place the little you have into his hands. Always enough. It's the power of seeing what God has done for us. We're not waiting for a moment. This is the moment. This equip. Here we are sitting together in a room and you've got this crazy guy saying what he's saying, right? Trying to make you see the world differently. Trying to make you change the way you view things. Why? Because we are saved. We are believers. We are seated in heaven with Jesus. Everything has changed. The focus of our life is no longer the world. The focus of our life is no longer ourselves. The focus of our lives is Him. And it's a game changer. Do you want to change the world? I want to be a change agent in this world. I, I was going to hand over to you, but I... 
We move around. You do. You travel to work. You go here and there and all over this city and all over the cities that you come from. I want your eyes to be saved. I want you to see again. I want you to see the grace of God and the life of God. I want you to see the beauty. I want you to see the potential of heaven. Close your eyes for a minute. Think of that drive that you do, that commute that you're involved in pretty much every day of the week. Those potholes, those people, those street lights that maybe are not working, and those things that are irritating you, those taxis that are cutting you off. Think of all those things that are disturbing you. I'm here to say today, God wants to redeem us, purchase us, change our view of the world. Because a world that we do not love, we cannot reach. You want that transformation. You want God to touch your life right now. I have shared a message, but I am really more of a message than I'm sharing. It's my life. So say, hey, Pete, I want that. I want a new view. I want a new dream. I want a new thing. I want to see this thing. Stand up, then. Come, stand with me. That's you. Spirit of the living God. You love this nation and its people and the nations of the world more than we ever could. I pray just as you did with the man in the scriptures, you healed him, but somehow he didn't really see properly. Would you touch our eyes? Would you put your hand in front of your eyes? Touch our eyes, Jesus. Heal them now that we see, see potential, see life, see people differently, see relationships differently, see the struggles of the world differently, see our cities, our spaces, our suburbs, our streets. We would see them differently with the potential of heaven all over our life. People that we engage with would be engaged with differently because you have healed us and we now have the scales of our eyes drop and we see right again. Spirit of the living God, I pray that all fear, all fear, break the power of fear over your people now in Jesus' name. That not a person would be concerned about their life, the length of their life, their struggle, their health. Now we are free. Now. I break the power of that fear now in Jesus' name. That we can live free as your people. We can live with dreams and purposes and plans. Release it out of us now in Jesus' name. And lastly, Lord, for every person standing in this room, I pray that you would awaken words, dreams, thoughts, prophetic things that are sitting dormant inside of their hearts. Pour your living water over it. Oh, Lord, out of this equip, streams of life will flood. 
new, new dreams, new ministry, new life, new churches, new plants. We will go to the nations. We go to places maybe where nobody's ever heard of, but you are sending us. Because water, Spirit of God, you have poured life on some of those dreams that were dormant, that are lying deep in our hearts, those words. Now, in Jesus' name, awaken them, I pray. Because we are a people who believe. We believe. We believe, Jesus, that everything you said about us is true. We believe that everything you said about the church is true. We believe that everything you said about the world is true. We believe in Jesus' name. Amen.